time for business now with uh, Kate Moody. Kate, uh, Vladimir Putin, he's been very bullish about the Russian economy despite uh, Western sanctions uh, saying it's been withstood largely. Uh, you've been taking a closer look. Yeah, in his speech, we also heard him saying uh, that those sanctions have actually created new opportunities for Russian businesses. He's probably referring to things like the local brand that has taken over uh, the McDonald's locations since the fast food chain closed its restaurant last year. And he is right that the Russian economy has shrunk less than most forecasts had predicted at the start of the war a year ago. Although analysts say the downturn could further deepen this year, and they point out that inflation, as in other parts of the world, is rising, hitting about 11 percent in January. Moscow's own statistics agency said on Monday that GDP had contracted by just 2.1 percent last year. That's fairly close to the IMF's latest estimate of 2.2 percent. And it's partly because while the EU and U.S. have cut trade ties, others have stepped in with India and China, for example, becoming the biggest customers for Russian oil. Beata Yavorchik, chief economist at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, told me it's also the result of years of careful planning from the Russian government. Well, the Russian government has been sanction-proofing its economy ever since 2014, since the time of annexation of Crimea. However, sanctions are taking the toll on the Russian economy. Russia is deprived of imports of technology embodied in capital goods. Many foreign companies have exited the country, thus depriving Russia of the knowledge that flows through activities of multinational enterprises. All of these effects will have a cumulative impact, but they are not visible in aggregate statistics just yet. On Tuesday, the price of an EU carbon permit topped 100 euros per tonne for the first time, a symbolic level that the UN's climate report has said could wind up having a real impact on efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The EU's program, which was launched in 2005, covers about 40 percent of the bloc's emissions. Concretely, that means that some 10,000 manufacturers, power plants and airlines have to pay for the amount of carbon that they emit. EU lawmakers have recently approved rules to make the system even tougher and more expensive. The idea is that the more it costs to pollute, the more likely businesses are to invest in more sustainable or greener technology as the EU races to cut net emissions by 55% by the year 2030. Let's check in on the day's trading action now. A pretty steep sell-off on Wall Street. Uh, saw the Dow Jones losing some 700 points at the closing bell. Uh, the Nasdaq losing 2.5 percentage points there at the close. Shares of Home Depot were the worst performing. They dropped 7%. Right across the board for the major European indices as well. Losses of between about a third and half a percentage point there. Shares of HSBC were up nearly 5% in London after the bank said its quarterly profit had almost doubled because of rising interest rates around the world. Sri Lanka's cabinet has approved the repayment of some $2.6 billion worth of international debt in the first half of this year. The island has been struggling with its worst financial crisis in seven decades, sparked by a dire shortage of foreign currency reserves. That drove the government to suspend debt repayments last April. The International Monetary Fund agreed to a bailout in September, but the terms include painful measures, as Brian Quinn explains. This bakery in Colombo is at half staff and half sales. Prices, meanwhile, have been doubled as the cost of doing business has skyrocketed amid inflation and rising energy bills. 
After paying salaries, loans and leasing fees, our profit is very small. We're only keeping the business going because we've been doing it for more than 25 years. Last week, the Sri Lankan government announced a 66% increase in the price of electricity after already raising rates by 75% last year. The latest move comes amid ongoing negotiations with the International Monetary Fund over a $2.9 billion bailout, the government seeking to prop up its finances in a bid to seal the deal. We agreed with the IMF that as of January 1st, no government institution can receive money from the Treasury. This includes the Electricity Board and the Oil Corporation. Sri Lanka is in the midst of its worst financial crisis in 70 years, triggered by a severe shortage of foreign currency reserves. Its citizens are already struggling. Annual inflation topped 53% in January. The country owes some $51 billion to foreign creditors, $28 billion of which is due by 2027. Its largest bilateral debt holder is China. The IMF is seeking agreement from Beijing to restructure its Sri Lankan debt to make repayment more sustainable before finalizing the bailout. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to begin hearing arguments on two cases which could have huge implications for Internet giants like Google and Twitter. At stake is a piece of legislation known as Section 230, which protects firms from liability over content that's created by its users. The first lawsuit has been brought by the parents of a young American student who was killed in the November 2015 Paris terrorist attacks. They allege that YouTube, which is owned by Google's parent company Alphabet, failed to take down terrorist videos and that its algorithm even recommended those videos to some users. Industry groups say tech companies are now walking a fine line when it comes to content moderation. If we ratchet up liability rules, you get two potential results. One is that services over-moderate, over-filter, uh, over-sanitize their content. And the other is that they throw up their hands and abdicate responsibility. Potentially huge ramifications there, Jean-Emile, mm. uh, not just for Silicon Valley, but for tech users around the world. Absolutely, Kate. Well, thanks very much. That's Kate Moody with the business.